Mic check, mic check. One, two, one, two. Welcome. Welcome, everybody. My name is Blackamore, nutrition and fitness consultant. I'm also the author of the book, Everything You Need to Know About Stocks for Now. And you are now listening to Cultural Illiteracy. I appreciate y'all tuning in. Um, quite a few things going on. Um, I want to talk about a little about snowfall. People have been asking me my opinion about the teacher and the student. You know, the teacher and the student that fought the two black girls, or the black girl and the black woman, rather. Um, what else is going on? NBA playoffs is going on. Um, yeah, so let's start with, uh, let's start with snowfall. Everybody's talking about snowfall. People don't like, well, some people, of course, don't like how it ended. But the main thing I've been seeing has been a few things, right? And it's been about the money. There has been, uh, nobody likes how Franklin's, well, first, before I get into that, for those of you who may not have seen Snowfall, let me go over real quick. So don't skip yet. Let me go over real quick. Snowfall, unless unless you're going to watch the show, I guess, then maybe you do want to skip it. <laughs> but if you just want to enjoy the pod and want to know what I'm talking about, then listen up. So Snowfall is about, you know, two niggas, a uh, nigga from the hood named Franklin, right? Franklin Saint. He meets a connect who puts him on. And he sells drugs for him, makes a lot of money. You know, of course, there's going to be mishaps and missteps along the way. People die, people go to jail, you know, same old shit. But he eventually, his connect becomes a CIA agent named Teddy. So now he works for Teddy, the CIA agent. They're using the money to fund a war or whatever, a legal war. And Franklin's parents, his dad in particular... You know, he didn't have the best relationship with him because, you know, his dad was a drunk and shit at first. He ended up kind of cleaning himself up a little bit, got back to who he was, and he was trying to expose the CIA for what they were doing, right? Putting drugs in their communities to fund their legal wars and shit like that, which his son, Franklin Saint, was the main one doing. He was like his guy. Of course, this is an issue for the both of them because they both want to keep making money or at least Franklin want to keep making money who knows what the CIA's objectives are that's another conversation even though it's kind of this conversation not the CIA but you know the powers that be in general so they agreed that they would just ship off Franklin Saint's parents to another country on an island somewhere and they could live happily ever after they ain't even got to worry about the problems in America just stay out of their way they get to live Franklin and Saint keeps getting his money, and Teddy, the CIA agent, they keep they get to keep getting money and doing whatever they're doing with the money. But a little bit after they get to the island, Teddy kills the father, and you know Franklin they never could prove it, but you know they kind of knew, but nobody could prove it. Franklin can never prove it. 
And, you know, so they continue doing it, doing, doing, you know, selling drugs, all of that. And then eventually it gets to a point where also Teddy, the CIA agent, he sets up, helps him set up bank accounts to put his drug money in, ends up totaling over $73 million. Franklin Saint decides he wants to switch shit up and get, I don't know if he wanted all the way out the game, but just switch connects. I think he just wanted out the game. So he ain't want to fuck with Teddy no more. So then Teddy steals his money from him out of the accounts. And the last season is about him trying to get that money back and he's desperate for it. And they get to a point where they have Teddy in the room or whatever, trying to, you know, beat him and torture him to get the money out. He's not budging. After some time, he's kind of getting to a point where he's saying anything and he tells Franklin's mom that, yo, you know, I ain't even kill your husband. You didn't you didn't see a body. There's no evidence that I killed him. I actually locked him up. Right. So the mom kind of holds on to that. And then eventually he tells Franklin, like, I tell you what, I can't give you all of it. But I'll give you half of it. Franklin says, bet. They go to the payphone out in public so Teddy can give him the money. And before Teddy says the password or whatever to transfer the money, Franklin's mom say, hey, what's up with Alton? Alton's the dad's name, her husband's name. Like, where is he at? What precinct did you lock him up in? And Teddy was like, yo, I just said that shit to get out of the situation. I killed him. And then she turns around and kills him before he can transfer the money over. Franklin's heartbroken, saying, Teddy, Teddy, no. Franklin's mom just says, fuck it, gets on her knees and surrenders. Franklin runs away, and he's pissed that he couldn't get the money. And then, you know, he went, he asked Leon for another loan. He had already asked for one loan for like 500000 He asked him for another loan of $3 million, which was all of Leon's money. Leon said no because he don't think that's what the mama would have wanted. Franklin ends up turning into a swerve some years later. Well, not like a crackhead, but he's a drunk, a bitter drunk. That sounds like your sounds like your drunk uncle. So many people say, yo, how come Franklin mom couldn't wait for him to transfer the money before she killed him? And to me, that's a to me. This is my I'm just speaking my mind to me. That's a very. It's a very sad take. Because my question to everybody who believes that, everybody who's like, yo, how come Sissy, Sissy was her name? How come Sissy couldn't wait 10 seconds for him to transfer the money over? Do y'all really think Teddy, the CIA agent, was just going to Hold up his end of the deal. It's a fairly realistic movie. Of course, they drug out some things for action and entertainment. But, you know, it's very reflective of real life. When have we ever known of people like that, we'll just say, to, you know, hold up their end of the deal and be fair? And if we just let's just stick to the show. Tell me something that, for those of you who've watched the show, tell me something that Teddy has done in the past that tells you that he was going to hold up his end of the deal. People are hung up on, yo, his mom shouldn't have kept him. fucked up. She was being emotional. She couldn't get it. So the emotions get the best of her. Y'all letting y'all emotions get the best of y'all. I was talking to a homie about this. He was like, see, the thing is, like, yeah, he probably wasn't going to give him the money. But, you know, we see, we, we, we feel like Franklin. And I'm like, that's the problem. 
Y'all too blinded when they dangle the shit in front of your face. Pause. They dangle the riches and the money in front of your face and you lose your goddamn mind. Teddy actually said that in the show. He literally said when he was like torturing them and shit, Teddy was like, yo, you done lost your mind. And I feel like that's when he knew that he could get them what the y'all give you half. How does how do we keep underestimating <laughs> these people? Why do y'all think that was just gonna go through smooth? How did y'all not figure he had a trick up his sleeve? That's crazy. Y'all really believe this white man CIA? And if y'all seen the show and y'all seen the conversation that took place with them. Y'all will really know. Like, yo, he told him, like, I took the money from you to let you know that, nigga, I run shit. I have the power. I can't let you get a cent. It was a power. He let him He let him know. I took it for you. It was a power thing. You'll always be where you're at and I'll always be where I'm at. So now all of a sudden he's going to have a change of heart. This is why she didn't wait. And who was to say it wasn't a sniper on the roof or something? That's where I feel like so many of us got it fucked up. It's not even. I mean, some people are saying, "Yo, she was just trying to be a good parent." I don't even chalk it up to that, because I think if you know, if it was a possibility of him getting the money and being all good, a good parent would let it happen. Honestly, that's how I feel. But the way I am processing this show, due to real life and due to the behavior patterns of that character in that show, there's nothing that tells me. That he was just going to hand over his half of the money and just ride off into the sunset and let everything be. There's nothing that has shown that he is capable of such actions. So in my opinion, people who do believe that that was to be the case are a little naive. I can't call you ignorant because you should know better at this point. So now you're just being a little naive. You could tell by the look on Franklin's face when he's about to say the password that he lost his mind. Face lit up. So that's my take on Snowfall. And as far as how he ended, how he ended up being a drunk, I was disappointed in Franklin. After the fact, if you use your brain to get you to where you were, well, we'll, we'll say $73 million because he optimized his goal for money. Clearly, he lost some, had some sacrifices along the way, but he optimized his goals to make money. So you lose $73 million is 90% of what you had. I understand. I've been there. I've had it happen to me more than once. I know what it's like to lose everything Yeah, I ain't lost $73 million, though. But I've lost a lot before. Takes you to a dark place. But I'm disappointed that he couldn't figure out something to do. He, it's not like he literally lost everything. He had equity in properties. Apparently, he had almost a million in the bank that Veronique took, his girl took. So that's, I guess he couldn't do that. But maybe he, still, he probably still could have kept that had he went along with his girl's plan to sell their equity in, the, in their properties they had. You sell that, get what you can get for it. You take your savings. And you run a play and bounce back. But to just say fuck it and become a drunk. To the point where you bumming $10 off your mans three days later for a drink. That's just. Boy, I'm disappointed. But it happens. But I don't want to spend too much time on Snowfall. That was my, that was my take on that.
I've been asked, what's my take on the situation? So there was a, I don't know if it's high school or junior high. I really don't know. But it was a substitute teacher. I don't even, and, and I'm a keeper, but I don't know all the details. All I, I just seen the video and I think, I, I believe I know everything I need to know to say what I'm about to say. The girl and the teacher basically fight. Because the teacher wouldn't give the girl's phone back. So the girl is, you know, she all up on the teacher, all up in the space, reaching for the phone. The teacher like, yo, back up. Stop touching me. Don't touch me. And if my sight served me, correct me, the student takes off on the teacher and then teacher responds and gets the best of him because she's the, you know, she's the adult. And eventually after she, you know, <clears throat> hits a few times, a little bit more than a few, they'll swing her for a little bit. And she kind of like puts her on a hold on the ground. Until, I guess, security or some other teachers came or whatever. Some people say the student was wrong. Some people say the teacher was wrong. People ask them my take. <clears throat> I believe it's, I believe it's, I shouldn't be saying nothing radical when I say we're both wrong. I don't believe it's radical when I say that we expect more from adults. Especially uh, those in their profession. Right. Like somebody who's. Took taking childhood education and learned a little bit more about child psychology than the average person. I don't think I, I don't think it's a radical idea to kind of have a higher standard for those people. I don't think I'm out of line. Um, because they're both wrong. Right. So it just becomes a question of who was more wrong. And I've got to give that to the teacher. Now. The silver lining, though, before I go into why, even though I don't feel like I should have to go into why, but before I go into the why, I would like to think that there was still the war was, well, I can't say the war, but hopefully the only, the only silver lining is this is that that little girl should have learned that she can't just be walking up on folks doing shit like that because you can get it from anybody. That's what that little girl needs to learn from this situation. Because out in the streets outside of the classroom, it could have got a lot worse. So I would like to think that she learned that. And as far as a teacher, I would like to think that she could know that she needs to learn some de-escalation skills. Learn some de-escalation skills. What would you do if there was all in your space? And blah, blah, blah. If I was that teacher in that situation, as I understand it from the video, people would say, yo, everybody knew that child was a problem. That's why they had the phones out. Doesn't matter. If I'm that teacher in that situation and the student comes all up in my in my space for the phone, they're willing to come up in my they're willing to violate my personal space to get their phone back. I can already and especially if all the students already know she's a problem, then that tells that's an indication that the teacher kind of has an idea as well, which tells me that's kind of more ego on how she responded and how many of you are agreeing with her response. Y'all responding in ego. I would just simply give her the fucking phone back. I would give the student the phone back and continue on with my security call. So, okay, cool. Here, here's the phone. But you, yo, you still got to go to the office or whatever. If it's, yo, I ain't going. That's fine. Security's on the way. Boom. Now, whatever happens, at least your hands is clean of it. Unless it's a situation like when you outside, right? And you like calling the police. That's a little different because I don't really believe in calling the police like that. Unless we about to file an insurance claim, right? <laughs> Certain car accidents, you know, things like that. But, you know, 
Situations amongst us, I don't believe in. I, I can't think of too many situations where I'll call the police outside. But in a setting like that, to call the, the school security. Come on, just call them. Let them deal with it. I seen somebody say, what, so you give them the phone back and just let that student think they could do whatever? No, because the security is going to come and whatever consequences will come for that. I don't know if that child has parents or needs new parents or there's a counselor she could talk to, whatever. We can, we can figure all that out later. But for this, for right now, I'm going to just give them the phone back to de-escalate the situation to the best of my ability. Now, at that point, if they swing on you, then it's whatever. And, and I'm not even trying to demonize the teacher if it's coming off that way. Because they're both wrong. We both we don't know that we, clearly the child was wrong. They instigated the situation. But to me, the teacher responded a little more in ego. Just a little in ego. You know, I feel like she was saying to myself, yo, you put your hands on me. You want to see what happened. I ain't the one to be fucked with. Like, that's, I feel like that's the thought process. I ain't the one to be fucked with. And that's, which was many of y'all's. Uh, thought process. And that and now looks what's happened. I seen a video talking about she retiring altogether. I don't know if she got fired or lost her job, but I know she got like charges being pressed against her. Whether they actually go, whether she's actually convicted of that or not is another story. But you know, I want to say that she came out in the win. I don't say anybody came out in the win. But he handed the phone, security escorts her to the office. Sit her ass down. She gets to keep her phone. She's probably going to scroll on social media and brag about how she just took the phone back while she sits in the office. Or call her parents or find you know, whatever happens after that just happens after that. It's not like nothing better happened to her after that fight. Do we not have any compassion for our children? Like, what's going on? Why are we so... Why, my thing is, why are we so... Uh, not all of us, of course, right? But for those who agree with the teacher, why... And I'm not saying all of you who agree with the teacher have this sentiment, but a lot of you, maybe the majority of you do. Why are y'all so proud of the way the teacher handled that? And identify with it so much. Like there's pride in that. The situation is sad all the way around. Oh, man, I would have. No, if anything, y'all should be looking at that like, yo, how could we have handled that differently if it was us? Because we may be in a situation like that one day and this don't look like this is the right way to handle that. But that's just how I see it. Maybe I'm bugging. Maybe I'm being on some self-righteous shit or something. I don't know. But to say that that was the ideal way. If y'all saying that that's the ideal, optimal way to handle that. I don't know what's going on. There was a better way. There's better ways to handle that. Her, you know, that wasn't the only thing she could do in that situation. There's things she could have done up until that point. Now, the moment the student took off on her, you know, at that point is what you got to defend yourself. But it didn't have to get to that point. That's the point I'm making. It didn't have to get to the point where the moment that the moment the student comes like is approaching and like this body to body touch. She gave them, she gave more than a few warnings. Right. After the first warning, I see what type of time they all fuck it. You got it here. Here's your phone. You're still about to go to the office, though. Now, if you're saying she still would have did something after that, and maybe, I don't know. Like I say, I only know from that video. But based off of what I've seen in the video, I'd like to think if she gave her the phone back, it's, it's over with. Give her the phone back. Look, I ain't about to fight you, little girl. I'm old enough to be your mama. 
here's the phone, it ain't that serious. But rules is rules. I gotta, I gotta call security on. I mean, she was getting buck with her. Now, if all those things don't work, they're fine. I know there are some people where there's just nothing you can do. But it's not even, but it's about, it's not even about having compassion for her. It's about protecting yourself. Do pull out every de-escalation tool that you have before you resort to that. Violence is always the last resort. That's my thing. If you see it happening, she's smart enough to see that, yo, she probably was willing to go there. But once again, I'm not saying in in an effort to demonize or criticize the teacher i'm on the outside looking in i don't know the whole story i'm going off of that video and this what i'm saying is more so in response to everybody taking pride in how the teacher responded as if that was the absolute best way any human could possibly respond in that situation and taking pride in it to me that's crazy so that's my opinion on that particular story let's lighten it up a little bit I feel like there was something else I want. Oh, ah, well, yeah, I won't talk about that. Jonathan Major's thing. It looked like his career is on the way over. I don't really have a take on that. Um, at least not one I'm about to share right now. Uh, real quick, the NBA playoffs, what do I think? So before the playoffs started, I had Denver Nuggets making it out the West. I wasn't certain about the East. I kind of defaulted to Giannis and the Bucks, and then in that scenario, I had the Bucks winning. So I basically, I'm basically picking the Bucks. Um, I picked Denver. I look at it like they got real close in the bubble when they had when everybody was healthy. When at the time when I picked them, everybody was healthy. Jamal Murray wasn't hurt. I don't even know if he's back right now, but Jamal Murray wasn't hurt. And I'm like, okay, Jokic is another is an MVP candidate again. He's uh, judging by that but judging by that criteria, he's arguably he's arguably the best player in the league. You got real close before, and you probably hasn't came that close because your team hasn't been healthy, but now Jamal Murray is back. And then on top of that, you added Reggie Jackson, which in my opinion helped the Clippers get as far as they did before they lost to the Suns the year that the Bucks did win it. I don't feel that pick, though. I'm just using pure logic. A lot of people, especially around me and like in the media, they were saying, watch out for the Clippers. The Clippers is dangerous. I've been a Clipper fan long enough to know that the Clippers ain't going to do shit. As I record this, they are one and one or maybe one and two. Yeah, they're one and two. And, I, and the reason why I said Clippers always do, they just find a way to lose. And it's likely because somebody's going to be hurt. They, they just can't stay healthy. What happens? Before the playoffs start, Paul George is hurt. After game one, Kawhi Leonard is hurt. And now he's out again for game four. And after game four, they'll be back on the road. And it's, and it's the Suns. I mean, you got Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. Even Chris Paul. You got three people who can hit all from mid-range, which is the least guarded spot in the NBA these days because the NBA is optimized for layups and three-pointers, right? So a lot of the defense optimizes for those spots. But all three of those people can create their own shot at mid-range, uh, and all three of those people don't really need the ball. Devin Booker probably needs the ball out of all three of them. Chris Paul's a point guard, so by default, he just needs to bring the ball up. But there's none of them, you know, it's not like Iverson or Kobe or even like LeBron. Like, there's no problem sharing the ball. I would have the Suns winning it all, but, you know, 
they find a way to lose those individuals. With their, I don't know if I want to put this on Devin Booker yet, even though he did fuck with one of those Kardashians or Jenners or whatever. It's usually a curse with that. So you got that. Chris Paul, has, you know, he's dribbled the ball off his foot in times where it didn't matter. And Kevin Durant, he's won, but, you know, he's never like the... He's... He won on a team that won 72 games before he got there. And came back from a 3-1 lead on him. So, there's some respect, but only so much. And, then he, and then, But furthermore, he can't stay healthy either. For some reason. Right? Memphis just young and dumb. Celtics is good. I don't like how Jason Tatum folded in the finals last year, though. So, while I could see them making the finals, if they made the finals, I wouldn't know what to expect because I don't have faith in Jason Tatum. And plus, they wasn't playing that well going into the playoffs. Uh, and those are like the main threats. Kings is good. I don't know if they get on to win the rings, but they're doing great. And I don't think you could ever count out the Warriors necessarily, even though on the road they suck this year. they two different teams on the road. They live. They like one of the worst teams, and at home they just like the 2015 Warriors. Damn near. Draymond Green out here stomping, <laughs> stomping people out. Which, by the way, hey man, that was some classic. That was classic white people shit. How he grabbed his foot and then played victim. He got stomped for a reason. It's a bonus. Um, but I don't want to spend too much time on the NBA. I don't want to spend too much time on sports. I know there's a lot of women who listen to me and a lot most women don't care about sports. Hopefully you didn't turn this off yet. Hopefully you didn't turn it off yet. Um, I want to go into. I want to talk about. Kind of just go over gloss over. I just want to make this final point. It's not going to turn into like a long lecture, but it's very important that you still listen because this is just like a pet peeve. Maybe we'll go more in depth on another episode. But my pet peeve is carbohydrates and how so many of us misunderstand carbohydrates because of the Atkins era, now the keto era, and how carbohydrates have been demonized. And now people are afraid of carbs. And I mean, being afraid of the word sugar makes more sense. But afraid of carbs and sugars and things like that. Terrible, terrible mistake. Okay. When I lost my damn near 90 pounds, I was eating hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of carbohydrates a day. Every food that I consume to this day, and I've kept the weight off for six years now. Every food I consume is full of carbohydrates. I had high blood pressure, high cholesterol, pre-diabetic. I eat hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of carbs a day. Been doing it for six years. Yet all my vitals are in normal range now and I'm at a healthy weight. I have a decent body fat percentage and all of this. So how can carbohydrates be the enemy? What's happened, what's taken place is when Atkins and then which evolved to keto eventually because it was clear that the Atkins wasn't working. Carbs got so demonized and looked at as fat, uh, fat gaining foods that many of us have just lost our way. And people say wild things for shock value, for views, for attention. You should not be looking at fruit and cookies 
in the same light, categorizing both of them as carbs. You should not be looking at pasta and brown rice the same. They are different. Okay? They are different. Fruit, brown rice, oatmeal, these things help. Pasta, the spaghetti, the cookies, the candy, the crackers, the chips, those things harm. Get this whole carbohydrate paradigm out of your mind. Don't even think of food as carbs and not carbs. Local. Don't even think of it like that anymore because it's not about that. If, we, if you're somebody who cares about health. Now, if you got some other goals that's not where the health isn't at the foundation, I'm, I'm not even talking to you because I don't know what else there is to talk about. I don't know what else you're eating for if you're not eating to live your best life and live your best life for as long as you can live it. So that you don't become a liability to, to your loved ones. So your loved ones don't have to look after you when you get older. When your health starts to decline and deteriorate. So you don't become a liability. Right? And you die unexpectedly. Or somebody got to help you up and down the stairs all the time. Or make sure you're taking all your medicine. If you're, not, if you're not eating to not be one of those people. When you know that it's possible to not be one of those people. And you can empower yourself. I'm not, I, guess, I guess I'm not talking to you. You're not my audience. The paradigm, the framework we need to look at is in foods is pretty simple. Ask yourself, does this food come from nature? Or, or better yet, if you somebody who believes in God, ask yourself, did this food come from God? A simple way to know if that's what the answer is to that is, is it possible to grow this food? Does this food come from the earth in any way? Does it come from the earth? I ain't never seen nobody plant Skittles, right? I never seen a Dorito tree. I never seen a farm full of donuts. You understand? There's avocado trees, there's apple trees. People grow tomatoes and watermelons and shit like that. So it's a matter of whole, and, these are, and, we, and the, it's about whole foods, not processed foods. So, process meaning what? That it goes through a process. And the more of a process a food goes through, the more likely it is to be harmful for you. Okay? This includes cooking. Cooking is a process. The less of a process a food has to go through, the better it is for you. You think of like apples or berries, you can literally go pick that from nature and eat it. Maybe you have to rinse it off or something. Those are going to be the most healing foods. The more of a process you get to the point where it becomes unrecognizable like that. And then it has all kind of foreign chemicals and oils and shit in there. Then we know it may not be so great. And the thing is, all of those types of foods, all those processed foods are what? Full of carbs. But so is oatmeal. So is the barley. So is the quinoa. So how could this be the actual common denominator? And also, with those with the whole foods, you're also going to find a lot of what? A lot of fiber. That's why net carbs kind of became a thing. Because it'd be the total carbohydrates minus the dietary fiber. That kind of helped. But let's just get rid of the whole carb thing anyway. And get rid of the processed junk food. 
once you establish that foundation, then we can start getting a little more fancy with it and figuring out, you know, uh, maybe get a little more detail with the macronutrient ratio, which is how many fats compared to proteins compared to carbs that you're eating as far as your caloric intake. Then we can get more. Even at that point, we can count calories. I don't even want you like if you're somebody who's trying to lose weight. Because you're grossly overweight. Or I should, maybe I shouldn't say the word grossly, but you're, you know, you're kind of excessively overweight. I don't even want you counting calories. I just want you to eat more real food and less manufactured processed food. That's what I did. I ain't count no, I ain't never count no damn calorie. Fuck I look like. <laughs> like for real, like, I didn't count calories. I'm not, look, I'm done with school. I ain't about to be doing all this mathematics and trying, look. Losing weight is hard enough in its own. Now y'all want me to do math on top of that? I was good. I ain't had time for that. And I felt like that was obsessive. I felt like I'm not going to count calories the rest of my life. I know that. So I might as well practice in a way I know I'm going to do the rest of my life. Now, if it works for you, it works for you. I know it works for some people. I'm dragging it a little bit. <clears throat> um, I'm not like super anti-calorie counting. But that's just not nothing I did. I don't believe that that's necessary. Many people believe it's necessary. I don't. For normal people. I don't like if you in some type of body competitions or something like that, that's different. For the average normal person trying to get to a relatively healthy weight, I don't believe that calories, counting calories rather, is necessary. Count how many bullshit foods you're eating. Let's start there. How many bullshit drinks are you drinking? Cut all that out. The calories will take care of themselves. Because once you remove all of the processed bullshit and you're only eating food that comes from the earth. Okay? These foods, foods that come from the earth are designed to not be taken in excess. There is things in the food that won't allow you to overconsume. Okay? The fiber, which is in all of these foods, will get to communicating with your satiety hormones and tell you, stop eating. You've, we're full. We don't need to eat anymore. Okay? The fiber will get to talking to your, to, to, to your calocystokinin and your neuropeptide YY and your leptin. And it'll say, all right. I think we've had enough here. Let's try again tomorrow. Let's get some rest. But the bullshit food was processed. So it's a processed sugar. It's already digested. Right? Majority of 90, 90% of processed foods is just foods that have already been digested with technology. Your body should be, should be digesting the food, not technology. So since it's already digested, it gets hyperabsorbed, and because of that, dopamine gets hyperproduced, and your eyes become bigger than your stomach. Because communication is all out of whack. There's not enough fiber to tell you to chill out. All the all the refined carbs is bun rushing your cells. Whatever fat is in there is bun rush is hogging up the cells. So good, so the good nutrients can't get in. Now you think that you're hungry and you still, so now you done got a high. So with that high and the dopamine, now there's an addiction. Now you have a high to chase. And then on top of that, you're not even nourished, right? 
So since you're not properly nourished, you don't have energy. And since you don't have energy, you don't want to exercise. And you think you're still hungry. And now you don't know the difference between a craving or a desire to get high than actual hunger. In, a perf in my perfect world, I say everybody goes on a water fast for a prolonged period of time so you can know the difference between a, what craving feels like and hunger feels like. I'm not recommending everybody to do it. Fasting don't turn out the same for everybody. For some people, it can literally get a little lethal. I'll save another episode to, to you know, kind of teach you how to go on a fast the right way and be as safe as possible. But that, I had went on a three-day water fast. I've been on plenty. I went on so many fasts, and I have become so kind of, uh, you know, obsessed with learning this nutrition thing and paying attention to how I feel after I eat certain foods. And even while I'm eating certain foods, I can tell if I'm eating something that got some bullshit in it or not. Other day I had some tortillas and I was like, this taste, this, I'm enjoying this tortilla way too much. And it's not because it's not even a tasting because I know the difference between something tasting good and dopamine just being produced in my brain because it's because of the drugs and the food. Look at the ingredients list. Sure enough, all kind of saturated fat in there. It's already a refined carb because it's a tortilla mixed with all mixed with the vegetable shortening that was in there and the other oils that was in there. And see, your brain loves oil. Your brain loves high concentration of calories because we didn't always have all of this food in abundance available to us. So if we can get some foods that's very high in calories, dopamine is produced to let us know, yo, we need to stock up and probably eat as much as this as we can because we don't know when our next meal is coming. Right. So extracting oil, basically oil is just calorie juice. <laughs> Y'all want to lose some weight? Cut out the oil. Hell. Y'all want to lose some weight? Cut out the oil. Y'all want to talk about some people talking about alcohol being empty calories. No, no, no. Cut out the oil first. A tablespoon is damn near 100 calories. I know I told y'all I'm be counting calories, but I mean, that's the bullshit right there. Like, what are you getting out of that tablespoon of oil that's giving you damn near 100 calories? Ain't no nutrients in there. It's just fat juice. But all those calories excite your brain because it's like, yo, we just got the gang of calories from this little bit of food. Let's stock up on this because we don't know when we're going to eat again. Because the calorie is the only thing, calories is the only thing your body cares about as far as staying alive. And carbs is going to be the main thing it cares about as well. That's why y'all go on these low-carb diets and these no-carb diets, you get, the feeling, uh, you get the feeling hangry, right? Even though you ate, you're not full. I mean, you're not hungry. I mean, no, no, no. Yeah, you're not hungry. You ate. But you still got an attitude. That's the way our bodies is wired because it performs the carbs. It's like, yo, I know we ate, but something ain't right. We upset. Now you frustrated. <laughs> the whole foods, fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, beans, grains, lentils. These are the food groups. It's funny because, you, know, you know, I'm vegan or I have a vegan diet, rather, a vegan-ish diet, rather, 90 percent, 90 plus percent vegan. Uh, and people were like, hey, you vegan. What do you eat? Well, you don't eat nothing. I just gave you what, about six, seven food groups. The, the other two food groups would be meat and dairy. 
I'm only cutting out two. <laughs> I'm cutting out two. And all those food groups have dozens of different types of foods within those food groups. It's all kind of different fruit out here. It's all kind of different vegetables. It's all kind of different beans. It's different lentils. It's different grains. I eat, I eat a lot of different foods. I probably eat more variety of foods than, than the average person. I've been introduced to so many new foods. I've uh, incorporated foods that I, didn't, that I may have been aware of but didn't used to eat. And I've incorporated a lot of those in there. Now, like avocados, I, I talked about that before. Probably the main thing. I, my only reference to coconuts was the coconuts that they put on the cakes and the almond joys, which tastes like paper, which I hate. I hate the texture of it. But turns out I actually like coconut. I like coconut milk. I like coconut water. I actually do like coconut flavored things. I just don't like that flaky texture shit, but that was my only reference to it. Now I drink a lot of coconut water. I don't do the coconut milk too much because of the saturated fat. It's a little crazy. I use it to... Um, I'm going to use it for ingredients when I'm making my own junk food at home. That's another thing. If you're going to make your junk food, make your own junk food at the house. That's your best bet. I like making my own cookies out of oatmeal and shit. Or if I'm, if I'm feeling really fuck it, then I'll make it with spelt flour or something like that. But, you know, typically with oats. And I may sneak in some coconut milk or coconut cream in that as a fat, it's, you know, as a, as a fat in there. You know, things like that. But don't stress. I'm not telling you not to count calories, but just don't stress on it as much as you're stressing on the quality of foods that you're eating. And guess what? All those food groups I just named. All are rich in carbohydrates. Vegetables probably have the lowest. Some vegetables, I should say, have the lowest carbohydrates. And berries may have the lowest carbohydrates, but they all, literally all of them, have carbohydrates. Nigga, you a carbohydrate. We, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We're carbohydrates. We're walking, talking carbohydrates. Hydrated carbon. And we, we scared of carbohydrates. Because we lumping them together with the cookies and the pastas and the crackers. And that's a mistake. Don't do that. The cookies is the junk food. The oatmeal, it's a whole grain. Look at it as that. And like I said, then from there we could look in, you know, maybe if you got a gluten intolerance. You know what I mean? Or maybe you have allergens with food that comes from the rubber tree, like the bananas and the avocados and kiwi. Then at that point we make those adjustments. But the foundation should be whole foods. And for those of you who elect to keep meat and dairy in your diet, I would at least propose that you eat less of it and consider those to be the side dishes as opposed to the main course. I would propose that. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to drive the point home. Cookies and brown rice, you know what I'm saying, are not created equal. Stop calling them both carbs. Just take it out of your, of your, out of your vocabulary. Call the cookies what they are with the sweets or junk food or bullshit. And call the brown rice or the oats, or call them grains, or call them what they actually are. All right? 
that uh that concludes my TED talk, if you will. But now I appreciate y'all tuning in. Hope y'all learned something. Hope y'all was inspired. Hope I was able to offer a a, a perspective that you can appreciate on whatever it is I talked about in this episode. And I check y'all on the next one. Yeah, you learn more about me and see more about what I have what I have going on at blackandmore.com. It's B-L-A-Q-A-M-O-R-E dot com. Check y'all on the next one. Peace.